Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, we are going to be joined by Colin. He hasn't been on the show in a few months. Uh, I remember back in like May, late May, we started Friendly Wagers. Uh, we're going to do that today at the end of the episode. But first, we are going to start out with Carmelo Anthony uh, and his interview today with First Take. Then we're probably going to touch up a little bit on Jeremy Lin while we're still on the subject. Then we are going to talk about Melvin Gordon. Um, in some possible trade destinations, he has requested a trade. What's going to go on with Melvin Gordon? What what would a trade package for Melvin Gordon look like? What are some teams that could get him? And then we're going to talk about the Red Sox, uh, their game last night, this series heading into the Yankees. I'm going to ask Colin a few questions on how he feels about the team lately and what they did at the trade deadline. Then, lastly, we are going to finally get back um, to another friendly wagers. First one in a few months. So first, we are going to start with Carmelo Anthony. So let's get to that. Okay, so most of you know by now, one of the bigger storylines of the day, Carmelo Anthony opens up for the first time in really a while um, on first take today with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. And there were a lot of things that you could take away from it. So Colin, what was one of your biggest takeaways? That he just wants to play the game. And that's it. He he doesn't. His second option is to win a championship. Yeah, I think he wants to play and win a championship. But honestly, at this point, I think he feels just desperate enough to the point where he just wants to play. Now, when I sat there and listened to it, I did not believe Melo 100%. And I don't think Melo was being completely honest with himself. Now, I think Melo is at the point where he has to accept any role because there's no question. If I asked you right now, Colin, are there 450 players in the NBA better than Carmelo Anthony? No. No, not even close. He's probably better than 30% of the league, at least 25% of the league, which I know sounds like a big number, but think about it. 30% is like clumping together the five worst players on every NBA roster. There's 15 roster spots on 30 NBA teams. So I could see him being, you know, an eighth man or a ninth man, something around that. Yeah, that's yeah. what he said. He was like, if. If you're about to sit here and tell me that I cannot make a 10-man yes. rotation, then or you 15 are, man roster you even. are incorrect. And he can make a 15-man uh, roster, there's no doubt about it. If the NBA was a 10-man roster, Carmelo Anthony is still worthy of it talent-wise. He may be one of the, you know, I wouldn't even say worst players. But the problem with Melo is, is he going to accept the role? Is he going to be a problem in the locker room? Is his ego going to be a problem? Now, he said he's a good leader, and I think to an extent, Carmelo Anthony is a all-right leader when it comes to teaching players. Like, Donovan Mitchell's want to work out with him. He's, you know, he said that in the pre- you know that interview. So I think he can teach young players. But leadership-wise, I, I do have questions. The guy is just... Overall, I don't want to say he's toxic, but he does not have a very great ego, uh, or you know, just I I don't know what to put how to put it. He's just not very good in the locker room. Yes, he can teach younger guys, but to me, he's saying he is going to accept a um, lower role. You know, if, if that you know a bench role rather than a starting role, because at this point, what else is he going to say? The reason he's not in an NBA roster, the talent is not the problem. It's the ego. It's the you know. You know, willing. How willing are you to take a bench role? He was not willing in Oklahoma City. He was not willing in Houston. They gave him a chance, and he, you know, he 
he just basically declined it or not declined it, but he didn't accept it. And that was the problem. And he didn't open up after he was cut from the Houston Rockets. So people just assumed he was done with basketball. But he goes on first take today and says, I've been working out in the gym every day, which is what I saw. For the past few months, I've been assuming Carmelo Anthony wants to go back in the NBA. Today, he basically confirmed that he's been working out every day. He's reached out to different teams and organizations. And I think today's interview was huge for Carmelo Anthony because he hasn't opened up and he had to. I mean, he's not a guy that likes to open up about this stuff, but he realized if I want to go into the NBA, I have to do it. I mean, it's to the point where people assume I want to only play on a championship contender where I can be a starter. He's saying, you know what? It might not be easy, but I'm willing to take a bench role, even if it's not on a very good team. I just want to play basketball at this point. And I'm not sure he's being completely honest with himself. I think deep down, he still thinks he's worthy of a starting spot. And I, I think deep down, he's not exactly accepting the words that he said today. But I think he's so desperate. He realizes that if he went on air today and said, no, I still think I'm worthy of a starter, there's no chance he's getting a roster spot. But although I don't think he was being 100% honest with us today, and it was just more words of desperation, I do think it helped his chances of making uh, an NBA roster. And now let me ask you, do you think he will make an NBA roster? And if you think he will, then when? That's a tough question. I think the odds are definitely increased, as I said, after this interview. I think some people will buy the cheese. I think there are a few GMs sitting back there. Listen, as a Celtics fan, I don't want Melo to go to the Celtics at all. If I'm a GM, I don't want Carmelo Anthony. Unless maybe I'm the New York Knicks. Maybe if I'm like the New York Knicks, I'm tanking anyway. I'll give Melo like a farewell tour, which he said it's not all about the farewell tour, but still. Uh, But even then, he might help your team win, hurt development. So even then, I try to stay away from Carmelo Anthony. If I'm the Celtics, I don't touch Melo with the 10-inch pull because he's just the guy. We talked about we want a team full of good egos and you bring in Melo, you, yeah, you I just think Danny broke Ainge. that. And another wing player, please. That's the last position we need. And if Melo, you know, says he'll accept the bench role, he's still going to want solid minutes. He won't get it here. We have Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, you name. Uh, there's just a ton of guys. Even Semi Ojale will probably get, you know, at least five minutes off the bench this year. Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens have learned their lesson with Kyrie. Well, here's the problem with that, Colin, um, is with Kyrie, they, they, they learn their lesson in a sense that maybe Brad can't handle it, but they also learn their lesson, well, I guess, they learn that to win, you're probably going to have to take on a big ego. I mean, it's just how it is. To win, you need, su- win. you need superstars in today's yes. NBA. And but most we- superstars have a big ego. The only ones that are exceptions are really Giannis, Curry, and Kawhi, to an extent, I even think he has a somewhat bigger ego and not as big. He doesn't talk a lot, but I still think behind the scenes, you know, he still has demands and things, uh, whatnot like that. Like LeBron, huge ego. Anthony Davis, same thing. So uh, I know that you don't consider Russ 
a superstar. So you, I'm guessing you don't... A star. I mean, You don't I, consider Kemba star. Russ isn't someone who can lead a team to a championship, but he can be that second piece. Even second pieces on championship contenders have big egos. Look at Anthony Davis, second piece. He still has a ginormous ego. That's what you, that's what you have to do in today's NBA. It is so hard to win... Well, you have without Kemba. superstars or with superstars without big egos. Here's my problem with Kemba Walker. He can't be the first piece on a championship contender. Yeah, exactly. Unless you have some incredible I mean, uh, I guess surrounding going- cast. Like maybe like your second star is Bradley Beal, if you consider Kemba Walker better than Bradley Beal. And maybe your third star is like um I don't know, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, like something like that. But just it's very hard not to win without superstars in today's NBA, and it's hard to find superstars that um, that don't Jason have big Tatum egos. Has a big yes, ego. he has a solidly big ego. Most players do today. I mean, that's just how it is, and it it stinks. Uh, it really does. It makes it hard to manage a team. Like Brad Stevens wants kind of full control on the team. That's kind of how he rolls. He you know. Smaller ego guys who are willing to, you know, even if they're the best player, willing to give up the ball in certain situations due to the play. It, you know, it's his kind of style, if you know what I mean. But um, how do we how do we get to this? How do we get to this point where we're talking about uh, Carmelo Anthony's? Oh, can't ego. will he make will he make a team? I th- again, I think there's a higher possibility. It's tough to read now because we really haven't heard any news. And it's tough because he, no one has seemed to really want to touch him at all, get even 15 feet in, in like distance from him. Obviously, he has very good friends. Chris Paul's the, um, like the commissioner president of the Basketball Players Association in the NBA. LeBron James is basically by far the biggest athlete in the NBA, you know, name wise and well, all if, that. If, Carmelo Anthony were to go to the Lakers, it would have already been done. LeBron James would have already made that happen. So I don't True. I don't think he's gonna go to that. But as much as we say LeBron runs the organization, you even heard what David Griffin said yesterday. I still think the GM it's obviously it's the GM is the final say. And obviously you cater to LeBron James, you cater to superstars like that. But I still think the GM has the final say at the end of the day. And he said, you know what? I, you know what, LeBron? I just, I'm just not sure at this point. You know, stuff like that. And, it's, you know, maybe it's just going to be a process. It's, it's a tough read because, you know, we've heard Melo wants to play. And now with this interview, it's tough because I think that definitely helped his chances. But I'm just not sure. You know, I think the top teams to get him are either the Clippers, the Lakers, the Portland Trailblazers, I think, could be an option. I think there are teams out there that could potentially get Carmelo Anthony. I'm just not sure who that will be, when it will be, and if it will what ever about be. the Warriors? The Warriors have been thrown around. I don't think the Warriors will go after Carmelo. Uh, I just don't see him being a very good fit there. Uh, I, I don't know. I just don't think the Warriors are a team to get a guy like Carmelo, even though they have had bigger ego guys like Boogie Cousins has a pretty big ego. I know he accepted roles pretty well with the Warriors, but still, just that kind of, he carries himself in a big way. 
it's a tough read. I don't think the Warriors are really in very good contention. Who knows? I mean, I, I really haven't heard a lot of news on anyone. So at this point, it is tough. But now I want to swing things over to Jeremy Lin. And Jeremy Lin is someone who I think has a much better chance of making an NBA roster. Because, first of all, talent-wise, Carmelo Anthony is still better than Jeremy Lin. Carmelo Anthony, you know, he could still probably put up 14 points per game. Obviously, he'd be pretty inefficient in doing so. But Carmelo Anthony is better than Jeremy Lin at this point. But for me, Jeremy Lin is someone who will just has so much of a smaller ego. And I think Carmelo Anthony at this point is probably a bigger name than Jeremy Lin, but overseas, like Jeremy Lin's a huge name. So all of a sudden you could attract more friends. Like if you're a smaller team, like a small market team, like if I'm all of a sudden like the Charlotte Hornets, I'm kind of intrigued because I'm sitting here saying, all right, you know, what do we have to lose? Jeremy Lin, you know, he's not really, he's probably going to take a bench role. Jeremy Lin's not really going to make a, much of a difference on any team. He's could come in here. He's going to be a small ego. He could be a nice little leader for our team, if anything. And we could attract fans to our fan base. We're a very small market team. We just lost Kemba Walker. We're going to have trouble filling up the seats. Maybe we can get some fans from overseas that are big Jeremy Lin fans. And for Lin, I don't feel too bad for Lin, to be honest that the NBA is quote-unquote given up on him. And I, I feel him from a competitive standpoint because, like, what Melo said today, you don't want to leave the NBA until you feel like it's my time. You know what? I think it's a good time to stop now. You know, I don't feel like I have it anymore. Like, kind of like Dwayne Wade, although he could still play at a very high level. Like, you know, I just think I'm, I'm done with this. That's when you want to retire. You don't want to retire feeling like I can still contribute to a team and I still want to play. So I feel Jeremy Lin from that standpoint, but look at it. Jeremy Lin has a great business going for him. Uh, Jeremy Lin has been able to bring in a lot of money as well between his business, and he just coming off a big, con pretty big contract, so he has the money. You know, he has the brand to keep that going, and he could easily go get a job overseas you know, uh, with a team overseas. Not only because you know he is from, you know, overseas and he could probably, you know, he'd be beloved over there, but he's good enough to play not only in the NBA, but definitely overseas as well. So I feel him from a competitive standpoint, but at that point, I, he has a lot going for him at the same time, kind of the same as Melo. Um, but if you could choose right now, Mello, and this is just a hypothetical question. Carmelo Anthony and Jeremy Lin are standing right in front of you. You can choose one of them, only one to go back to the NBA. Who are you choosing? Who would you want to go back to the NBA more, Jeremy Lin or Carmelo Anthony? Carmelo Anthony. Why? Just because I don't like the way that Jeremy Lin handled that speech. He was like, the well, NBA they're, they're, is well, giving well, up on me. Listen, they both... They both cried their way into, I mean, Carmelo Anthony didn't cry, but they both cried their way. They're trying to cry their way back into the NBA. Like, you know, eh. you know, it's just these words of desperation I, at this point. They're both crying their way back into the NBA. You know, and I don't blame either one of them for it. I do think, you know, you with the crying, I mean, I get it. But, I mean, I know Melo didn't cry. I think Melo's situation made a, a little more sense. I think both of them had to open up, like, I still want to play and all that. Melo had to open up a little more than Jeremy Lin, in my opinion. It's I don't a tough like call, the but... words that Jeremy Lin said. Okay. He was like, they gave up on me. They paid you. The NBA has paid you like 
over $50 million, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. you're crying. Well, For what? You just won a championship. Won, yeah, because he won. But I wasn't he part of the like, championship. Yeah, be, yeah, well, that, yeah. You that, had your I name s- on the NBA. I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, you have to remember, he still feels like he can play in the NBA. He still really wants to do it. Yeah, and, but he. The crying was a yeah. little too much. Like, Mello, at least he didn't cry. I do think he was acting a bit desperate. I don't think he was telling the 100% the truth, but. I think it was necessary for him to go do an interview. And Jeremy Lin was the face of the NBA for a couple months. No, he was not the face of the NBA. For, He's one of them. For one, for like, a month, yes, he was. LeBron has been Lin the face Sanity. of the NBA for years now. That, when, Lin Sanity, when was Lin Sanity? Do you know? Uh, I think it was in, like, 2012? 2011. 2011. So, okay. 2011, what was LeBron doing? Winning a championship. Or, well, he went to the finals and lost to the Yes, Mavericks, but he was the... But... Who, who's the face of the, the league then? LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James has but been the face was, of the league for years now. He was the top of the... If not Kobe Bryant. I mean, it was one of the two. Take your pick. Uh, it's Jeremy Lin was, like, maybe a Steph Curry back in 2015. Like, you're not the face of the league. You took the league by storm. Like, Steph Curry's still one of the yeah, faces that's, of the that's league. Yeah, that's the phrase I was That's the uh, yes. comparison right there. But Jeremy Lin was never the face of the league. Um, but, no, it was a great story, and... They've got things going for them. So that is uh, us touching up on Carmelo Anthony and Jeremy Lin. Again, Anchor Mobile App, anything you want to talk about, any questions you have for us, any takes you want to get to, whether it's on this or anything sports-related. So now we are going to get to um, some possible Melvin Gordon trades and trade destinations, so let's get to that. Okay, so Melvin Gordon requesting a trade from the Los Angeles Chargers. I discussed this about a week or two ago. And now it's official, so we're really going to get into some trade talks here. Um, first, to start, what do you think his value would be? Uh, in my opinion, if I'm just going to base it off picks, I'd say somewhere between a second and a fourth to a second and a fifth rounder would be Melvin Gordon's trade value, a little more than a second round pick. He's one of the better backs in the league, and I know there's some injury problems, and you're going to have to give him a bigger payday, but when healthy, I mean, he's one of the better running backs in the league. Not the best, probably not top three, but very arguably top five. I'd say pretty easily top seven at very least, top seven or six. So what do you think his value would be? Pick wise, you agree with me? Yeah, like probably around there. Maybe, maybe the latest you could get is a second and a sixth. I think that'd be like it latest. depends. I, I mean, if there's only one or two teams in the trade talks, I'm sure they're gonna realize that, decide to use that as leverage against the Chargers, and maybe lower the compensation a bit and not give the Chargers what they're looking for. I'm sure the Chargers are looking for like a second and a fifth or a second and a fourth, like probably a second and a fourth. And then if it's like the Texans are sitting there, like. We're really the only ones in heavy trade talks for Melvin Gordon. Like, one or two other teams are, like, talking, but they're not that heavy. We're going to use that as leverage against you. Second and a sixth? Like, we're not going to give you what you want because we're really the only team heavy in trade talks. It depends on how many teams are really in it, but it'll be a second and, like, a mid to later pick as well, Yeah, I, I think. don't think there are that many. And it possibly it could be Melvin Gordon and maybe a, yo, the Chargers' fourth-round pick for a first. Something like that. 
yeah, if they want to kind of bump things up there. And I don't think it'd be a very high first, you know, mid to late first. Uh, just because running backs, they don't have as much value as they used to. It's a passer's league. You can get a lot of running backs in a lot of places. And I know Melvin Gordon's a pretty special back, but still, yeah, I, I just think you'd have to give up Melvin Gordon and more if you want a first-round pick uh, for him. But we'll see what happens. But some of the teams that are really, really in it, in my uh, opinion, um, would be the Texans. Uh, I think they could really be in the conversation. You look at their roster. I mean, they have a great defense. Uh, they have a great young quarterback in Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league, in my opinion. Although they lack a tight end, they lack a second wide receiver. Although, when healthy, Will Fuller is a very good second option for the team, I think, and he's very young too, but he's never healthy, and I think the injuries are starting to catch up with him. So they do lack those other receivers outside of DeAndre Hopkins, and they do lack a really a tight end. But Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins still managed to get it done with the poor O-line and the lack of weapons outside the two. But at running back, you've got Lamar Miller and constantly injured Deontay Foreman. Free Foreman, yeah, Foreman. I almost said Freeman. I was like, what? And when I look at it, Foreman, again, always hurt. Miller is an under-average running back at this point. I don't like Lamar Miller. I'm sorry. I just arrived. Like, I don't hate the, him personally. It's just his play style. I always just thought he was a little overrated, and people are finally coming to terms. He's an under-average running back. They add Melvin Gordon. They become a lot scarier. Um, I just think, in my opinion, that team really lacks weapons outside of their quarterback-wide receiver duo, unless Will Fuller's healthy again. And I don't know how Melvin Gordon would do with that O-line, but I still think he'd—I don't think he'd be as good as he is in uh, Los Angeles right now just because of the offensive line, but I still think he can manage to be a solid running back. My concern is, again, he'd probably put up lesser numbers just because— the O-line, and he's already an injury-prone player. You add bad protection, that is a little scary. But if I'm the Texans, I'm still willing to give up a second and a fifth-round pick and roll the dice. Uh, I'd probably make his load management pretty low, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, so that way you can avoid injury, and then when it becomes must-win football down the stretch and in the playoffs, the carries start to go up. Um, but again, you want to keep Deshaun Watson healthy too. That team just really needs an O-line. And if they do get Melvin Gordon, the next step's getting the O-line because then you keep Deshaun Watson healthier. He'd even be better. And so would Melvin Gordon if they get him. If I'm the Texans, I really consider getting Melvin Gordon. Another one would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, they only have $3 million in cap space. So it would be tough to get and pay Melvin Gordon. But that's why you, you're probably going to have to trade some player on the roster. I'm not sure who that is. Right now, their um, running back situa situation is Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones, which is absolutely horrible. And if I'm the Buccaneers, I am definitely interested in Melvin Gordon. The team has a solid, underrated offense. Um, and with Bruce Arians, if Jameis Winston can really play well this year, uh, it, with Bruce under Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer, as some would say, if James Winston actually plays well and this team all of a sudden, you know, Bruce Arians is sitting here saying, you know, we might not make the playoffs this year, but we're sitting here like possibly at a seven and nine record or eight and eight. Like we could seriously be in contention for at least a wild card spot. Then go after Melvin Gordon as well. 
I'm not a huge Mike Evans fan, but he's still one of the better wide receivers in the league. Hopefully, O.J. Howard can continue to improve. Uh, and Jameis Winston, it's, a lot of it comes down to Jameis Winston. I know that defense is pretty poor, but... If I'm the Buccaneers, I am interested in Melvin Gordon because he could really if your team if you if you think your team's serious, the Buccaneers, and they kind of need one more player to take themselves over the hump, and they feel like Melvin Gordon's that guy, then I go for him. Because not only does he help you now, but he helps you later. Again, you'd have to get rid of a bigger contract to pay him. So that's the thing. You've got to be smart with this. Is Melvin Gordon worth you know filling up all our cap space basically at this point? That's up to you guys to figure out, but um, we'll see what happens. Um, then I think some more teams would be the Bills. Uh, I think the Bills could be interested in Melvin Gordon to try to add a weapon to that offense, uh, just because Josh Allen needs help. But I know Melvin Gordon, you know, isn't a, a fantastic pass catcher. He does something out of the backfield, but he would just help Josh Allen in a sense of if Josh Allen's kind of not having a great game. You can kind of hand the ball off to Melvin Gordon. I think he would help that Buffalo Bills team out. They have an improved O-line as well. LaShawn McCoy is just getting older and older and older and worse and worse and worse. The Seahawks and the 40, uh, the 49ers, I think, could be a possibility just because, you know, Matt Breida, I'm not really sure what to expect out of him again. Their running back situation is interesting. I don't think the 49ers will really go after Melvin Gordon, but I wouldn't count them out necessarily. The Seahawks have been talked about. In my opinion, it wouldn't really make sense for the Seahawks to get Melvin Gordon. Uh, I Although I'm not a huge fan of their running back running backs, together as a core, they're, they are actually one of the best uh, running back you know, cores in the league just because individually they don't have very good running backs, but as a core – they actually are one of the better, you know, one of the better things you could ask for. So all of a sudden, if they get Melvin Gordon, there's no point of having all these five different backs, you know, that they have. And I just don't think that would really, you know, work out too well there. They have a horrible O-line as well. And the Falcons uh, are a possibility just because I think Devontae Freeman is a very good back when healthy, but he's missed a lot of time recently. And, um, I'm not sure how he's going to return. So if the Falcons really feel like Devontae Freeman, you know, we just lost Tevin Coleman. Devontae Freeman's not the same player. And we need that running back. If you really need the running back and you think Devontae Freeman will never be the same, maybe you have an excuse to go after uh, Melvin Gordon. But even then, I'm not really sure it's a top priority. I still think they need to upgrade that defense. And then the Packers are another one that's been thrown around. Uh, just because their running game was not so hot last season, but I think Aaron Jones will step things up. I don't really think there's a huge need for Melvin Gordon, to be honest. And uh, Melvin Gordon would certainly help them, and I think you could take a little off Aaron Rodgers uh, and that arm because that's a valuable arm right there, and I know I still think he can play at a high level, but down the road, do you want him in three or four years to maybe get a better running back? Uh, but I don't really you know, see them as huge uh threats to get him and then you know maybe there's a few other teams like the Raiders I thought about but I looked at the Raiders and just kind of sat there and said to myself they have Josh Jacobs I'm not really sure they want to add Melvin Gordon just because I think they want to save calf space for other places and hope Josh Jack Jacob Jacobs Jacobs ends up working out so what do you think or what do you think that who do you think is the front runner to get um Melvin Gordon it has got to be... For me, it's the Texans. Yeah, it's either the Texans or the Buccaneers. It just goes back and forth to me. If I were the Texans, I would say this. All right, you have yourself a deal if we do this. So 
they have uh they get Melvin Gordon and one of the Chargers offensive linemen for a first and a fifth round pick. Okay, so we'll take a let's take a look at the Chargers offensive linemen. Okay, so maybe the Chargers would give up a Michael Schofield or a Sam Tevy. I don't know. Just somebody at this point. I think the Texans could really use anyone on that offensive line. I think they want to give Titus Howard a shot at left tackle. Left tackle is the most important position on the offensive line, and I'm sure they would like Russell Okun, um, but I don't. I think that's too hefty of a price, and I don't think the Chargers are willing to give up. Melvin Gordon in their solid left tackle for a first and a fifth round pick for a team that all of a sudden with a better left tackle and a better running back is probably pretty easily a playoff team. Um, so that, that to me, I think that would be a two FD of a price, but maybe a Michael Schofield at right, uh, right guard wouldn't be a bad price. Uh, him and Melvin Gordon is probably worth the fifth, uh, the first round pick. I maybe exclude the fifth round pick or bump it down to a sixth or a seventh, in my opinion, by adding Schofield or maybe just the first alone, but either. Yeah. Melvin Gordon, I will. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's any anyone else seriously in the conversation besides the Texans? Yes. Who? The Buccaneers. Buccaneers? Just the Texans and the Buccaneers? I think you could throw the Packers and maybe the Bills in. But I think that the two main teams are the Texans and the Buccaneers. And then off to the side in like third place is the Packers and then Bills bringing up the rear. But uh, I don't really see why for those other four or three teams yeah. that we mentioned, like the Raiders, the Falcons. Falcons. No, no, not, not the, even the, the Raiders. Raiders. The Falcons, Raiders Seahawks, yeah, 49ers. Falcons, Seahawks, and 49ers are why? why? I, I want to throw in another team. Potentially the Redskins. I hate their running backs. They do have, um, what's his name? Uh... Darius Darius Guise. I don't know. He's a Who he's a rookie. Running? He's I think he's a rookie or a second year player. The thing is, I forget his name. Um, let me here. Um, so what do you think about potentially the Redskins? It is Darius Guise. Yeah, Darius Guise. I think Darius or Dar- Darius. I I didn't know which one. Um, I'm pretty sure this is gonna be a second year. The thing is, I didn't know much about him either. I think this is. I think this is his first year, or it, I'm really not sure. I think it is his first year. No, it is his second. He didn't do much last year, though. It's the crazy thing. I think it is his second year, but he did nothing last year. That's why I'm just. He didn't do anything, and all of a sudden, like fantasy people are telling me, "Yeah, this is going to be a good player." But I don't know. I still don't really like their situation until I see this Darius. Weiss player play. I just don't know much about him. I, I really, this is just people telling me, like, I know a good amount about football. It's just one thing I just don't know really much about this guy because he's kind of came out of nowhere. But still, I think they sh- could consider getting him, but I don't think they'll really be in the talks either. I'm actually a big believer in Matt Breida, so I don't see a reason for the, you 40, for the 49ers to go after okay. him. So yeah, I don't I mean, think there's a big reason either. Uh, but I I'm not the biggest Matt Breida fan. I think there's injury concerns. He did kind of come out of nowhere. So like we were just talking about insanity. Like you're just like, is this really gonna stick? So we'll see. But anyway, that is our Melvin Gordon talk. So now we are gonna move things over to the Boston Red Sox. All right. So the lovely Red Sox lose again, nine to four last night against the Rays. Okay. 
And they get swept in the series. 4-0. What, what a disgrace, okay? Last night, I mean, Bogarts had a heck of a night once again. It seems like Dev- 0 for 5 for Devers. I will say, I give Devers some free passes here because he's been so good this year. It's due to happen. And it didn't matter last night. I mean, even if he had a few hits, maybe makes a 9-6 at best. Uh, but Betts did sneak one in. Pa- like, I just want to, first before I start ranting on the Red Sox here, Pesky pole bothers me so much. Betts snuck one over Pesky pole, and even if the Red Sox hit it, I just feel bad for the opponent, and when an opponent hits it, I'm mad. But if we hit it, I feel bad for the opponent. It's so stupid how shallow that is. And I know it's really hard to pull a ball to left field with the green monster, but it's like they decided, you know, in right field, we're just going to make up for it with pesky pull. I could probably hit in home run out of pesky... uh, No. No. Obviously, it's an exaggeration. I hope no one my age can actually do that. But you get what I'm saying. It's so short. I mean, obviously, I couldn't, you know, hit a... Home. I, I don't think I know really anyone that could just because it's a major league field. Maybe a few people that I know, but no one my age could hit one over pesky pole. But you get what I'm saying. It's so stupid. And I know not many people hit home runs to right field, especially that. It's just kind of so weird over there in right field. But still, when someone squeaks it over, it's like, oh, that's a routine pop fly in any other field. Or a foul ball on any other field that's a, either a routine fly out or... Or a foul ball. Instead, it's a home run. I remember, I think they were facing the Blue Jays that series. Someone snuck one over Pesky Pole and just smiled because they knew that wasn't even a great hit. For an MLB player, it wasn't. But still, it, it just so it just bugs me. But Kashner has just been a huge... He's such a loser. I mean, he was a loser in Baltimore. He was having an alright year, so we traded for him. I didn't mind the trade. Oh, God, he is such a loser. <laughs> Excuse me. Dude, I don't think I'm... Um, Sneezed on air yet. But anyway, you know, you have Kashner and Leon were just off all night. There's no chemistry between the two. You had the, uh, what did they call it on it? The Neville? What was it? Oh, the yeah. The Neville? Uh, yeah, little nubber or something. Yeah, down the first baseline. They had the little nubber there. And they Kashner and Leon can't communicate. Kashner has a horrible throw over to Moreland who picks it off, but he's safe. And then, um... The big fat boy, uh, G-Man Cho- Choi, scored. <laughs> I don't know why he's hitting leadoff. He might be the slowest player. He got gunned out at home. Horrible base runner. But anyways, they're, they're <laughs> started off. But Kashner was horrible last night. Darwin's in Horn- Hernandez came in for uh, one-tenth of uh, one-third of an inning, throws the wild pitch. Also lets up a hit. Colton Brewer, everyone's favorite. Our big offseason addition to fill in for Craig Kimbrell comes in for two innings, lets up two hits and earned run. He wasn't great either. Heath Hembry comes in and lets Austin Meadows just really put a bow of cherry on the cake, just uh, a bow on the present, whatever you want to say <laughs> on that series. I mean, it was really bad. And then Casher and Leon, there was that wild pitch where Casher throws a curveball and Leon played it like it, there's a fastball coming. I think what Leon did was signaled a fastball. Yes, and, and Kasher throws a curveball. Like, uh, there's just so there's no chemistry between the two. Kasher is a big loser, and Chris Sale has not pitched well this year. David Price has been okay, but he has not pitched well down the stretch. And his ego, I, I don't even want to talk about it. And Rick Pors, oh yeah, and he's on paternity relief because he just had a child or whatever it's called. And then Rick Porcello has been horrible this year. Now you bring in Kasher, he's been horrible too. I mean. The bullpen, I can't blame for being bad because that's Dave Dombrowski and Alex Cora's fault. But the starting pitching has so underachieved. There's talent there. Nathan Avaldi there has had a 
pretty. He's been hurt all year. Well, no, not Nathan. Oh, Ed. Oh my God, I'm stupid. Eduardo Rodriguez. He's been okay. Has okay. Been he's all been right. all right. He's been he's improved from last season, but eh. you can't you can't eh. you can't rely on. Uh, no, you can't at all. No, you, I don't mean Eduardo he, he, Rodriguez. He hasn't even been great either. Let me look up Sorry. his stats real quick. But I just want to ask you, Colin, how'd you feel about their deadline, the trade deadline? Oh, it was terrible. I would really like you to go get a. Closer. I just want to tell you this right now. 4.13 ERA this season, 4.12 over his career. So he he's, he hasn't been anything special this season either. Uh, but anyway, you get back to uh, what you were saying about the trade deadline. And I know for those of you who listen to my trade deadline thoughts, I'm going to touch up on those again in this episode. I won't go fully in-depth. Well, so something I've heard is go get Edwin Diaz. Love it. Why, oh wouldn't, God, you I won- I- why wouldn't you go get him? Did you listen to my podcast? No. No, you didn't. No, I I saw I saw something that you uh, an article that you made uh, though about uh, why you would love to get Edwin. Yeah, Davis. I mean it makes sense because now all of a sudden people are saying, well, this team isn't worth making such a big investment in, and I see your point there, and I see your point also. The farm physicist. Sisto is already <laughs> the farm system is already very weak, but Edwin Diaz is 25 years old and is under contract for the next three years. This isn't a one-year thing. This is he, the next three years. He almost won MVP of the league as a closer. He did. Yeah, he was 18th in MVP voting. He was, that's not close to the MVP. That is pretty close for a closer. For a closer, it's not horrible, but that's not even close. For a closer, yes, it is. For a closer, but in general, you said he's real close to the MVP, 18th in the voting. For a closer, for a closer, okay, great. you didn't say that. Now I I heard you now, but still, I mean, this season he has struggled, but at best, what does that do? Lower his value. I would have loved him, but outside, you didn't get Edwin Diaz. But who do you blame most for the Red Sox not getting anyone at the deadline? Dave Dombrowski, or do you look at more Alex Cora and the players? Hmm. I think Alex Cora and the players. I I think Dave Dombrowski, I heard somewhere that he was trying to get someone and it just did not work out. Not really. I think want, want me to, to I don't know if you've been that. caught up lately, but he said specifically, if we were closer to first place, I think I would have been more willing to make trades. I think what? that was the quote. Yes. What? <laughs> That's basically what? him saying this team is not worth investing in. I don't know if you heard it, but here's my analysis on a call. If you didn't hear the podcast yesterday, I'm filling you guys in, and I'm filling Colin in too, because he didn't listen. He should have. <laughs> Dave Dombrowski. There is some blame here for Dombrowski, okay? First of all, I'm going to look at it. Beginning of the year. You want to know what Dombrowski decided to do? He lost Joe Kelly, which I was fine with. The money he got was too much. And Craig Kimbrell. So you know what he did? He said... As a replacement, we're going to get Colton Brewer. Colton Brewer. And we're going to play musical chairs. You know what I mean by musical chairs for the closer? So basically, what's going to happen? The bullpen the, the goes up. Hey, what's our role this season? It's a surprise. It's like those Kinder Eggs. What's the toy going to be? No, it's a surprise. You'll see. And it's going to be like a week-to-week thing, like one week. Like the first week, you're going to be like, all right, so I see I'm like the seventh inning guy. Oh, that's not official. It's going to change again. Oh, what's my role going to be changed to? You'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out. So basically what's going to happen is we're just going to try out all these different closers, which I'm okay with because I felt like you could get off to a bit of a relaxed start. But they continue to play musical chairs. All right. Who's it going to be? Spin the wheel. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, 
one day, all right, Colton Brewer's gonna go out there and close the game. He just blew an eight to two lead. This is this is fun. We'll we'll take him out just for next game. I think he just needs a little break. Next game. Who's it gonna be? Matt Barnes! Oh, I love when Matt Barnes closes out games. It's so good. Who's it gonna be now? The 29-year-old rookie, Marcus Walton. Oh, I love when he pitches too. He's he's a 29-year-old rookie. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's just bad. And I know you have Nathan Avaldi, because Nathan Avaldi's gonna solve all the problems. He he really is. He is. Has he? No. So uh, so we could at least got something. Even get bullpen depth. I talked about it yesterday. Shane Green. We couldn't have got Shane Green all-star this year with the Detroit Tigers. And he went for, what, two measly minor league prospects? A 31-year-old experienced reliever that sure doesn't have a ton of experience in high-leverage situations, but he's got 22 saves on the year. He's been an all-star. He has experience. Please! I mean, that's just a little trade. I know you don't want to make big investments in the trade. Shane Green was not a very big investment. Okay? So, things of that nature. Dave Dombrowski deserves blame for not setting up that bullpen correctly at the beginning of the season, but I don't blame him for not want to make a big investment. These players have underachieved. Betts is underachieved. Martinez is underachieved. Um, Chris Sale, David Price, Rick Porcello, big time. And outside of Xander Bogarts and Raphael, Raphael Devers, I'll throw in Christian Vasquez as well. Those seem to be the three guys that have actually played well and seem to care this season. And guess what? I think the analogy here is with guys like Mookie Betts. I don't want to throw in J.D. Martinez just because I feel like he's still somewhat cared. He just hasn't played well. What Mookie Betts? Or who else? Andrew Benintendi. Not even, but I mean, like David Price would be a big one. Guys that haven't played well, they're the spoiled kids. They haven't behaved all day. They've just been horrible. They haven't behaved all day. And then they go, they pass an ice cream shop and they say, oh, I want ice cream. And then their mom says, no, you haven't behaved. You don't deserve that ice cream. And then they start whining and crying about it. And then, you know, it doesn't help their point. That was what's gone on after the deadline, right? These players are not happy. They're like, why didn't you get us help? Dave Dombrowski sitting here like, you guys were not worth the investment. You haven't proved it to me. And then they went out and they lose the next two games. They absolutely drop an egg. They just proved Dave Dombrowski's point. Dombrowski deserves uh, shame, especially because he didn't at least go out and try to get at least something, but especially the way he built this roster at the beginning of the season, especially that bullpen, the players deserve more crap, especially Alex Cora. I mean, it's just, it's a shame. They played horribly all year outside of Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers, and Christian Vasquez. Really, everyone else really deserves some sort of grief. And I'll give Chavis maybe somewhat of a free pass because he was called up, but still, it's not like he's played the lights out. I mean, he's really cooled off of late. He's still been all right, considering he's called up. But still, you get my point. I mean, Dave Dombrowski's deserves a little too much heat. The players deserve more. I that's just my. Jackie my Bradley thing. always cares, but uh, he he's not yeah, that sure good. he cares. He, he's, he's not, not been good. good this year. Listen, here's my thing. I those are there are these people out there that wouldn't trade JBJ for the I world. Know. Mm. That's because they're just obsessed with this fielding. They they're like Bill Belichick with special teams. I don't know if you heard on this. I want to talk about this one day, the day Bill Belichick. You know, you can't get Bill Belichick to talk about any player. He goes up on a press conference. I think this was either during the Super Bowl or when they faced the Rams in 2016. He started going off about the punter, Johnny Hecker. And he said, oh, Johnny, he just, oh, he just, uh. it's like Bill Belichick's dream. Like, oh, my God. 
He just is so obsessed with special teams. That is people with JVJ in his fielding. The guy can't hit for his life, but, oh, I love his passion. He wins so many games, so many game-winning plays. Personally, for me, I'm not a, I don't need fielders. When I look at players, like fielding players, I just say, if you can hit the ball and you're not a atrocious fielder, then I'll take you. You know, the fielding's an extra perk. Fielding's never been a huge thing for me, and I know that I'll end up, you know, costing you a few games here and there, but hitting over fielding all day. And my problem with JBJ is he's made some stupid decisions this year. I've seen him miss catches. And do you see that throw he had against the uh, Rays? Or Yeah, it was the Rays. I talked about this yesterday's episode. He gets it in center field. Throws it to no one over first base, like a Patrick Mahomes, no look pass. And then this is his, his I don't, you guys can't see it on air, but I'll show Colin. His look was just, <laughs> after the, and the camera's just like zoomed in on him. And he's just like, face has like the blank stare on his face. He has not played well either because he's made some good plays in the field and he's still been, I had a solid year, but he's disappointed me a little bit in the field considering the expectations were so high. And the thing is, he has not made up for it at the plate either. Don't tell me that. So there are some people who have tried to tell me that they would not trade Jackie Bradley Jr. for Jose Abreu. Yes. No, no <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's actually sad. Jack- to this point, I, I just can't stand Jackie it. Jackie Bradley Jr. has, I think, a around a two, yeah, 240, 240 batting yeah. average. And they're like, his career average is 220. He's batting 20 over the normal. I, you see, he's getting better at the plate. And he's such Why a the fielding. Oh my God. Why they would do now? anything for the fielding. <laughs> they drool over it. It's like Bill Belichick and special teams. Like Bill Belichick, you'll walk up, a guy will, you know, you'll have like a, a quarterback or, you know, like Tom Brady will want money and Bill Belichick's just like, mm. And then I'll see like, Brandon Bolden, and will be like, oh, let me get out my checkbook. Oh, my God. This is this is something else. He'll see Johnny Hacker. Oh, my God. You'll see, you'll see just water coming right out from his mouth. He's just like, oh, my You'd God. You'd see Bill Belichick oh pay the God. whole salary cap for Johnny Hacker. No, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say that extent. But, like, he he... He just has this thing for special teams. People have this thing for Jackie Bradley Jr. Because we love the passion. He makes so many game-winning plays. Fielding, I think, is kind of like the special teams of football. And they just drool over it. And listen, I understand. But some of you people, like Jose Abreu, you won't trade Jackie Bradley Jr. for Jose Abreu? Oh, you're kidding. I hope the White Sox won't do that. Never mind. You No, this is what... This is what they would say. Why give up Jackie Bradley? We already have Sam Travis and Mitch Moreland. We don't need Jose Abreu. All right, how about a closer? Like, yeah, Edwin Diaz for Jackie Bradley. No, what? There are there's some people that just have this thing for Jackie Bradley Jr. And it sincerely bothers me. It does. <laughs> it, it, like, I, I don't want to rant about this for too much longer, but... It just gets on my nerves. Like, you wouldn't trade. I haven't really heard too many Edwin Diaz, but like Jose Abreu. You won't give a Jackie Bradley Jr. for Jose Abreu. I'm sure some people drill over and Jackie Bradley Jr. will have been like, okay, fine. But there are some people out there that would seriously be like, oh, come on, why? Why do you got to do this to us? I Like, if the if the White Sox did that, I'd, I'd be, uh, I'd feel kind of I'm, bad for White I'm Sox I'm sure fans, that but... they would have to throw in another piece. Anyway. That's the Red Sox deadline. Neither of us were really a big fan of it, but most actually go to the players. Overall, it's just been a frustrating year. So now we are going to get to a little bit of friendly wagers. Let's kick that off.
friendly wagers. <laughs> Colin's mediocre, but that's okay. Because Aiden's bad anyway. Friendly, friendly wagers. Okay, so the last friendly wagers we did was back on May 28th. That was also, I think, the last time Colin joined the show. So it has been a while. If you didn't know, we actually have an intro for friendly wagers. So today we have five questions. Unfortunately, this is kind of not really a great uh, time of year for friendly wagers just because it's really only baseball. And yeah, you've got the PGA, but that's only, you know, you can really only do those questions on like Sundays, the big three was a possibility, but we're just going to stick with the Red Sox for today. So if you don't know, my record is 0-3-0, and I'm 5-13 and on overall bets, and Colin is 3-0-0, and he's 12-6 and on overall bets. I've been horrible at this, but hopefully I'll uh, win today. So when I when we were asked, who's winning tonight, the Red Sox or the Yankees, Colin says, uh, the Red Sox, I'm going with the Yankees. We're not doing so hot right now. Well, uh, yeah. So I saw that the score was four to two, or it was. Four, it is. I think. Okay, so let me just tell you guys. He just saw the score. I, I did not it. know the yeah, score. Yeah, I just saw it. So I didn't know the score. Trust, I, yeah, trust I me on this one. I I'm sure down the list yeah. here. He there's like some stat that I like. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez over under seven and a half strikeouts tonight. I'm sure he's like. He's already finished his outing at like five strikeouts, and I already said over, so I'm sure. Right, I um, didn't. I did, so I already knew that the Yankees were yeah. winning at this point, but I picked the Red Sox because that was my original prediction coming. I didn't even know and that Aiden, they already Aiden started. I did not know that they started. I didn't even, I'm sure one so of I'll these predictions is uh, they're like the next one is Will Alexander Bogarts hit a home run tonight? We both said no. He might have already hit a home run. Well, we were yeah, just we recording no the podcast, idea. so I, I'll be on completely honest with you. I'm not. I didn't. Even I just know saw they the first inning. Yeah, I, I'm not. It. I'm not even. I didn't even know they started yet. Um, so Will Alexander Bogarts hit a home run. We both say no. All right. So Eduardo Rodriguez over or under seven and a half strikeouts tonight. I'll go over. I'll go under. Okay. <laughs> over or under seven and a half runs scored tonight. I'll go over. For They're, what team? Uh, both, oh, just both? overall. Oh, okay. I'm taking over. Yeah. Well, now that I know the score, I guess that's a pretty good prediction. But I didn't change it. I already had these down. Yep. I have my answers down. He has to just choose them. Over or under two and a half walks for James Paxton tonight. I put over. I'm not sure. I'll pick under. Under? Okay. I don't, I don't think the MLB is too big of like a walk. Okay, so all right, so that is today's uh, edition of Friendly Wagers. I know they're pretty short, but the next episode, I think if Colin, even if Colin does not join us next episode, I will go over this uh, edition of Friendly Wagers answers. Hopefully, he joins us again tomorrow. You have a good chance of winning this one. I'm, I'm not sure because I, I it felt like a big loser while I was doing it. I did not quit doing it uh, just just because I only do it when Colin joins the show. So thank you, Colin, for joining the show. Hopefully, you can join us more often. I remember. You joined us for a good stretch, and then you just stopped. So hopefully, at least I don't. I'm not saying every episode, but you know, no. all, most of the episodes you can start joining us. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to call in on the Anchor mobile app. Uh, any uh, takes you've got, any questions you got through, anything you disagreed with, or um, through the Anchor. Uh, not if you can't get it through the Anchor mobile app on Safari. Type in "After the Buzz Sports Talk" by Aiden Mayer on Anchor, and you can send in your voice message that way. So thank you, Colin, for joining the show, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope to see you guys next time.